Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Amen. Glad you are here this morning. Everybody doing well? Oh, that's, that was, that's not very convincing. Everybody doing well? If you're a visitor today, I want you to be aware that you're in one of them churches where they talk back. You know, like your mama told you not to talk back, but in church here today, you talk back, okay? And so if we ask a question, it's not rhetorical most of the time. And so, uh, and if you're from the South, whenever somebody asks you a question, it's rude not to respond, right? So anyway, so this is one of them days. Everybody say amen. Oh, y'all doing good. All right. So I'm going to preach a sermon here, and um, I've got a word that I want to get I want to, I want to preach over these graduates, but also as an entire church, as uh, family members and friends. And um, I feel like it's going to be a very powerful little word here. And I, I did youth ministry for like 14 years. So I'm going back in my youth pastor days. I got, I got the top button button up this morning. Y'all like that? I got the cool uh, purple Nikes on today. So uh, I'm doing, I'm in youth pastor mode. And I've, I don't, we don't have Starbucks, but I got Ziggy's. So I'm, I'm like total Metro youth pastored out today. Y'all like this? Thanks for the coffee, by the way. If you have your Bible, you can try following along, or you can just trust me. I'm not lying to you about what the scripture says, okay? Uh, but we're going to be in 1 Kings to start off with. And um, I ha- normally we'd have the graduates kind of go sit back down, but I got them all up here today because, um, because I'm going to use them in a second. I'm going to have them stand back up and, and kind of illustrate some points. But I've got a real powerful word. So let's pray before we get that going. If you would just bow your heads. Father God, we love you today. We are grateful for the word of God. Everybody say amen. amen. The word of God is life. It's not just uh, it's not just some old writings that we try to look at. God, the word of God is actually life to our spirit. And so right now we glean from the word. We glean from what it says. And may this message, God, may, may it be implanted deep into the hearts of the graduates that they would understand exactly who they are in this season of life, this season of time that they've been born into, that they would go forward in, in the will of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. My goal is to get you to the China buffet by noon. <laughs> I'm, I make no promises. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 18. Let me set this up a little bit. This is the story of Elijah. And Elijah, he is a prophet in Israel. And what Elijah does is he's going to, um, he's going to combat some stuff that had creeped into Israel, namely the, the prophets of Baal. In the prophets of Baal, there was an evil king, uh, Ahab, and his evil queen, Jezebel. And Elijah's going to rise up and he's going to say, no, 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 no. This is not the way God wanted it. And the prophets of Baal, man, they were bad news. They were real bad news. Uh, how they worshipped. They would worship by gathering around. He was, Baal was considered partly a god of fertility. And they would literally do human infant sacrifice to worship Baal. They would uh, have, you know, certain acts that I'm not really comfortable saying out loud, uh, sexually and, and, and inner, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got, got the interpretation. I don't need to expand on that. Do I? Okay. But they would do stuff as, as act of worship. And, and I kind of want to draw a parallel 
to Elijah and this prophet who's going to fight this spirit that's trying to come into Israel. And I want to draw a parallel to today that this world is crazy. I mean, if you can say amen, you can say amen to that, right? There's two things you can say amen. If I say Jesus is king, you say amen. But if I think this world is crazy, it's not hard to agree with that, amen? This world is crazy, and us as parents, okay, us as grandparents especially, and us as parents, we're talking about sending these kids out into a world that is crazy, and, and, and it, there's some level of, this is, this is the scary Make sense? And this ain't the world I grew up in. My Mother's Day was last was last week, right? Last week. And I, I made a Facebook post about the idea that I grew up in this small town in Arkansas and Mother's Day, uh, and, and my mom created this environment. I grew up in Mayberry. You know, like, it was just, it was so, you could run the roads and you could do whatever you want to. And, you know, there was no fear. And there, I mean, just, you know, it was just so pleasant, so nice, so safe of a world. And this is not the world we're sending them into. Understand? And, 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 and the world is so crazy that when you try to make sense of the craziness, it's like you, you're, you're baffled by the idea that you have to explain basic ideas such as what is gender and what is sexuality. You know what I'm saying? There's all these things are in the world, and we're sending these kids into the world. And I feel like there's this generation of people who have fought against the enemy and fought what that culture had, was, was Baal and that worship, that foreign worship that came into Israel was destroying the fabric of Israel. And we have this spirit that are coming into our world as we know it now, and it's destroying the very fabric of our culture and our land. Somebody say amen. And I feel like we're the same fight that we got to fight. And so Elijah stood up and he said this, Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought all the prophets together at Mount Caramel. And basically the idea was this, that we're going to get all the prophets of Baal, we're going to get the prophet of God, and we're going to bring them all on this mountain, and whoever, whoever's God uh, shows up, that God wins, right? And so Elijah spoke to the entire crowd, and this is what he said to Israel. Pay attention. He said this, How long will you hesitate uh, that word there is, how long will you sit there in, in, in decision mode? How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God. Oh, Y'all missed your, you missed your off ramp right there. If the Lord is God. And I believe I preached Deuteronomy chapter 6 last week. The Lord, Yahweh is our God and he is God alone. That's right. If the Lord is God, follow him. Amen. Graduates, look at me in the eye. I'm about to keep you awake, right? Okay. If the Lord is God, you follow him alone. All right. And, and, and if not, if Baal is God, follow him. And, uh, Thomas Jefferson, I believe, I can't remember who it was. One of the founding fathers said, uh, um, Question everything, even the existence of God. Who was it, Talon? Okay. First time ever Talon didn't know. Daniel, do you remember? I'm going to say Jefferson said it. Anyway, question everything, even the existence of God. And everybody think, well, man, that guy's an atheist. No, what he's saying is question everything, and the one true thing will always prove itself. Because God will answer the question. Even by fire. Boy, I'm preaching better than you're shouting, right? Okay? Even by fire. And so, if the, if, how long will you waver? How long will you hesitate between two opinions? 
And the people didn't answer a word. And so he said, all right then. And then they had this competition. And the prophets of Baal, man, they cut themselves and they danced and did their little, they did their little rituals and they did their acts and, and, they, and they were in defilement and doing all this gross stuff trying to get a false god to answer. And they bled and they danced and they worshipped and they, and they screamed and they shouted. And, and literally, Elijah at some point, is uh, he has the spirit that I get sometimes and sarcasm comes on him. How many of y'all get that in the name? Amen. Amen. I get it. I pray, praise God. That, that is a gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Sarcasm comes on him. And as they're doing all this stuff and, and God, their God is not answering, he says, well, perhaps your God's in the bathroom. That is so cool, right? Your God's going to the bathroom. He can't come here right now. And so... Basically, what happens after that is they give up after hours and hours of of not being able to get their quote-unquote God to answer. And he says, listen, take water and douse everything. Put so much water that it is impossible for anything to catch fire. And they they doused it with water and they doused it with water and they doused it with water. And he walks up there and and he basically says, "Uh, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. He basically says, come on, God, and fire from heaven comes and consumes up all the water even out of the trenches and and licks up everything and then uh i should have brought my sword out but then elijah takes up his sword and he does business you know what i'm talking about he does business and then he he wins this great victory and i want to say to you there's a, there's an entire generation an elijah generation that you have fought and you've seen God answer and you've seen some great victory. Somebody say amen. You fought against hell coming into this world. And you pushed back against hell coming into this world. And you've seen some great victories. But I also think there's a generation that after you fought so hard and still it keeps coming. It's easy to get weary in the battle. Y'all don't shout me down. It's easy to get weary in the battle, so let's pick up there. Give me 1 Kings chapter 19, I believe it is. Verse 1. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture here so so y'all keep along. Ahab, he's the evil king. He's the evil king. (laughs) Is that the bear? Time out, okay? When Missy and I were, you know, young, and were were we married? We weren't married. We were dating, and you know how when you're dating and you're in love and you're real goofy? Remember that? And so I bought her a bear, and um, we were going to determine its name by opening up the Bible and just putting our finger down. And so we, I bought her this bear, and we opened up the Bible, put my finger down, and it was Ahab. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you can't be having no Ahab bear. So we did the logical thing when you grow up in church. We led Ahab in the sinner's prayer and got him saved. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, and then he was fine after that. Back on track. Okay, here we go. Ahab told his evil wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Everything Elijah had done was God answered. He took his sword and he went and killed all the false prophets. And then, and then he's basically decimating the Baal worship in Israel. That's a good thing. Say amen. Okay? And, um, and he talked about how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel, verse 2, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
This is this, this is this woman, and when she speaks, this Jezebel spirit, when it speaks, it's not just the words, but there's the spirit on the words, and it incites fear and confusion, and, and it incites chaos into somebody's life. And she speaks over Elijah, and he hears these words, May the gods, little g, do to me. And I want to say, Elijah, you should have just said, Your gods didn't show up last time. Anyway, may the gods do to me and more so um, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like the life of one of them. In other words, I'm going to kill you, boy. And he was afraid. That's not because she's a smooth talker. That's because there was a spirit of Jezebel on her words. That makes sense. And I feel like, listen to me now. now, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep steady here. But I feel like even amongst us, we fight and we fight and we fight. But there's this spirit in the age that it's not even saying anything different than it's always said, but there's an anointing on it that makes us a little afraid to attack what God, what's coming against God and his kingdom. Y'all out there? And so there's this thing, there's these anointed words of hell that are coming against God and his kingdom, and, and he was afraid. Verse 3, And he got up and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a broom tree. That's where brooms come from. And he asked for himself to die. Y'all did not even get that joke, did you? Or is it dad joke day? Apparently not. Okay. Okay, and so verse 4. He went a day's journey. The wilderness came down under a broom tree, and he asked for himself to die. He's so overcome by the emotion and the spirit of this Jezebel that, that, he, that he has just killed the prophets of Baal, but now he wants to die. And how many of y'all have felt that in, in, like, um, in like the last few years of, this, of, of everything we've gone through is like all these warriors who used to take off the heads of the enemy now feel like it's, they're so weary from the battle, sometimes we just want to give up. You know what I'm talking about? And so he says, I, I want to die. And he said, it's not enough. Anybody even say something like that? It's not enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What a weird statement. Verse 5, he laid down, fell asleep under the broom tree. Behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was his head. Uh, around his head was a loaf of baked bread on hot coals, a pitcher of water. He ate and he drank, and he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Your journey is too long for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank, and he journeyed in that strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. In other words, the angel of the Lord gave him some food and he was strengthened, but he went into another, what's a 40-day period, 40-day and night period whenever you wander through the a wilderness? And so here's this mighty man of God. He's come under fear and he's come under, he come under depression and he wants to die and then he goes into this wilderness season. And I'm just telling you right now, if that isn't a picture of the church over the last few years, I don't know what is of the people who knew how to battle, who knew how to war, who knew how to strike down the enemy, and have had great success. Somebody say amen. But but, but this last few years, uh, as you know, with 2020 and COVID and all this kind of stuff, it it seems like the warriors, they went through this wilderness season. And so now, verse, um, so he arose, ate, and drank, and went into the strength of the food 40 days in the mountain, 
In verse 9, Elijah then came to a cave and spent the night there. I'm, I'm, I know this is a lot of scripture reading, but I'm painting this story. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here? Has God said that to you lately? And it's not that God doesn't know. God knows everything. He's, God lots of times will ask you a question to get you to ask the same question. That makes sense? What are you doing here? I don't know. What am I doing here? You know what I'm talking about? And so he asked him this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous. Elijah said, I have been very zealous. He gives him an answer. And again, I say to this generation, this Elijah generation, man, you're talking about some zealous people. Some people who love God. Some people who, who, who know how to do warring against the enemy. They're very zealous people. I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies. The sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant. Sounds something like this. I grew up in the house of God. I know what it is to be a man or woman of God. I'm very zealous for God. But this is not the same country I grew up in. This isn't the same church that I used to go. You make sense? This, this world, is, everything is different. And that's right where we are, is it not? And so... And so um, he says, the Lord God of hosts for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone. Everybody say, I alone. I alone. See, there's this, there's, this, there's this thing where this Elijah generation feels alone and feels like there's no help coming. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Though there's no help coming. I alone am left. And they, they want to take my life. They want to take it away. So he said, verse 11, go out. God said to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord will pass by. And a great and powerful wind was tearing through the mountains and breaking the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But God, the Lord, was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. He was just in the fire 41 days ago. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? That's how quickly God can shift. That's how quickly the church must shift with him. Preaching about it and you're shouting. He was just in the fire 41 days ago. But things shifted. Sometimes it takes us a while to follow, doesn't it? The Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing. I don't know, it's, it's, I, I want, what it feels like to me is what I'm, I envisioned that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they would walk with the Lord and, and, and uh, God would just kind of walk up and this is my opinion, this is, you know, this is the part you actually should go read to make sure I'm not lying to you, okay? But God would kind of come and he'd be like, You know, there was earthquake, there was wind, there was fire, there was hurricane, there was internet. But God, like he did in the beginning, walks again with this gentle whisper of a breeze. And when Elijah heard that, man, he took his turnip, his turnip <laughs> and made a salad. <clears throat> he took his tunic, you know, his little his garment, he wrapped it around his head. And he went to the mouth of the cave. Because he sensed the presence of God right there. Y'all with me? Y'all okay? And God says again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 13. Verse 14, 
He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies. The sons of Israel. Uh, how should I say this? And, I, and I'm trying to be very respectful because I don't want to try to preach down on anybody. What I'm saying is he just repeated what he said before. And it's kind of the same thing you hear in the church today is, well, this just isn't, this just isn't the way we did it back in then. This isn't the way we grew up. And this is the world just different and everything. You see, he's just saying the same thing over and over again. And what he's saying, though, isn't changing anything. It's just pointing out the obvious. Everybody still love me? Amen? The sons of Israel have forsaken you, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone, I alone am here. So the Lord says to him, verse um, 17, Verse 15, excuse me. The Lord said to him, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel, king over Aram. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of um, Nimshi, king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah, the the prophet in your place. And it shall come to pass, everybody pay attention now, it shall come about that the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu will put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will put to death. Yet, I need you to understand something, Elijah. Y'all stand up. Come this way. Turn around. Make a nice pretty straight line. Y'all look like a blob all of a sudden, okay? There you go. Make a nice bridge line. Yet, listen to me. Generation. Right? This world's falling apart. This world's going crazy. Generation. God says to you, I've got a people. I've got 7,000 in Israel and their knees have never touched the dirt in submission to what's, what's, what's going on in this world. And their lips have never kissed the ring of that spirit that's trying to take lordship over our earth. You see what I'm saying? And here's what I want to say to you. Is, is, is I need you to understand that it may look hopeless out there. But I'm telling you, there is a generation... There is a generation whose knees haven't bowed, whose lips haven't kissed, and we can actually, instead of complaining about how bad the world is, maybe we should start blessing the ones who haven't bowed their knees. Y'all sit down. I'm going to have you back up in just a second. So Elijah departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, the Elisha generation. As he was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and with the 12th, Elisha came to him and threw his cloak on him. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of a cool analogy, Chester. But I, th- this analogy is really, really, really important. Go to Romans chapter uh, 9 or 11. 11, okay. Romans chapter 11. Paul, is, he's speaking. This is thousands of years later. Paul is speaking. This is what he says. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? Now, this is talking about Israel, but we're going to, we're going to borrow from Israel this terminology for us in our generation right here where we live. Somebody say amen. Eldorado, Arkansas, Arkansas, right? 
the United States of America, like we, we're going we're gonna to borrow from here. And we say, I say then God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. In other words, he doesn't do that. Oh, that was a, you missed your chance right there. God doesn't do that. He hasn't rejected his people. May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Verse 3. The Lord, again, we can look and we can look out there at this world and how messed up it is. And it's easy to point out the problem. Come on. Uh, hey, man, they killed your prophets. They're screwing up everything. This generation, man, the, it, this is the generation that's, that, that's just screwing up everything we worked so hard to build. Are y'all with me? Man, and, and uh, they can't even get simple stuff right. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and uh, they have torn down your altars. And he, again, I alone am left. Here I am all by myself trying to hold this thing, this world together. Now listen to these words. I need, you to, I need you to absorb these words. Teenagers, I need you to absorb them. Teenagers, I can't say that anymore. That was my youth pastor. Young adults, that is so weird. Okay, I need you to hear these words. Listen very closely. Verse 4. What is the divine response to the generation who can only identify the problem. Y'all stand up, please. Take a step forward. Make a straight line. Turn around. God says to us, El Dorado, America, I've kept for myself 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee. Verse 5, don't move. Verse 5, in the same way then. Y'all hear, y'all see that? In the same way that he did it for Elijah. In the, I'm saying today, in the same way that Paul prophesies it over Israel, I say it for us here today. In the same way, there has also come at this present time. A remnant according to God's gracious choice. What do you see when you look at these faces? Do you see a generation that's forfeiting a godly heritage? Or do you see a remnant set apart by God who hasn't bowed their knee and who hasn't kissed the ring? That's what I want to tell you today on graduation Sunday is we've got to change our perspective about this generation. Sure, many of them are doing things that are God-awful. It's, it's, it's paramount to Baal worship. But I'm telling you, God still has a plan. He's still, I'm telling you, some of y'all mamas know what I'm talking about. He put from the day they were born their hand on their child and said, I'm going to hold, I'm going to set you apart for greater purposes, right? You're not to go down the Baal road, you're going to go down the God road, the one who answers by fire and the one who whistles in the garden. You understand what I'm saying? And you know your kids. You know your kids have been marked for a certain time. Not just because they're special, but because he 
put his hand on them. And in moments in their life when they were tempted to bend their knee, he grabbed them by the collar and yanked them back up. That was the hand of God and maybe the hand of a belt. Amen. Somebody say amen. Whenever they got too intimate with the world, he protected their lips that they wouldn't kiss. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? What do you see? I tell you what, I I can't look too hard or I'm going to lose it. But I tell you what I see. I see people. Give me Colossians. Of this church I was made a minister, Paul talking, according to the stewardship of God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out uh, the calling of God on my life, the preaching of the word. These folks have a calling of God on their life. Come on, y'all can do better than that. These folks have, these folks have plans and purposes from heaven on their life. And they're going to be fully carried out in Jesus' name. Verse 27. Verse 27. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages, generations, but has now manifested to the saints. Verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. What is our hope for tomorrow? What keeps us sane when we're going to send these kids into the world over the next few months? What allows us to put our head on our pillow and not go crazy? I can tell you exactly what it is. One thing. It is one thing. It is Jesus Christ in them. Oh, but you got to hear what I'm saying to you this morning. It's not just Jesus Christ in them to keep them safe from harm and to keep them, uh, to keep them uh, from, from going down the wrong path and to keep them uh, uh, protected in the cocoon of God's grace. No, 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 no. It's much bigger than just, just their personal preservation. It's Christ in them that is the hope for America. It's the hope for this state. It's the hope for this city. It's men and women of God, the Elijah generation, just like them with Jesus Christ in their hearts who will continue not to bow their knee, continue not to kiss the ring, and God's going to use them to bring about another revival for our cities and our country, and God's going to use them to do powerful things. And we may look at a generation and say, man, that generation has lost it. But I'm telling you, our hope is in Christ but Christ is in them. So what do I see when I look at these graduates? I don't see just another generation going off to squander their grandparents' life and inheritance. Come on, y'all. I need y'all to tell me what you see this morning. I don't see a generation just going off to squander and forfeit the inheritance God has given. Passed on from you, passed on to them. I don't see a generation just to squander what God has given. But I see a generation full of Jesus with clean knees and pure lips. And God's going to use them to bring hope back to our world. Is that what you see this morning? God's going to use them to bring hope back to our world. 
little old Patricia. These kids have struggled in life. A lot of them have struggled. They've gone through stuff that is hard and difficult. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? They've gone through stuff. Their journey hasn't all been roses and easy. It's getting too hot. I'm going to tell you a story, a very personal story. Missy and I were on the brink of divorce. It was bad. Sleeping in opposite ends of the house. Not doing well. You can smile. You can look me in the eye. It's okay. <laughs> that was a long, That was uh, nearly 18 years ago. Things were bad. Things were real bad. I was going to quit the ministry. We were done. But all of a sudden, Missy turns up pregnant. Missy cannot take medicine to save her life. <laughs> and here she comes up pregnant. And this, this moment, this day happened. One of those days where God just says, okay, everybody else out of the way, I'm about to do my thing. And he just pounds our hearts and pounds our hearts. I mean, for like 10 straight hours, phone calls and people all over the nation, I would literally hang up the phone and the phone would ring again. They were saying, Chester, Missy, y'all got to figure this out. You got to, got to figure this out. Got to, you know what I'm saying? So we decided to kind of leave that position of ministry and just go, go be together and, and fix our marriage. And I remember one time I was back to where we were and I was moving stuff out of the house. Listen to me. Listen to me. And the preacher that I was working for at the time, I, I have forgiven him. Okay? I have forgiven him. So I want you to hear this with no angst in my heart. But he pulled me aside. It's me and my dad in the same room. He said that in front of my father. He said, looked at me square in the eyes. And he looked at, he said, Chester, he said, God always makes the innocent pay for the sins of the guilty. And I'm praying your daughter doesn't die in the womb. And so for the next Six months, I've got this fear on my heart that because her and I are having these problems, that something's going to be wrong with, my, with Hannah when she's born. So you may look at this crowd and you may think, well, man, Chester, your daughter, you know, she never had no problems growing up. She was born into a problem. You understand what I'm saying to you? And I remember the day she was born, Lexi was cool, you know. Chad's cool. <laughs> but the day Hannah was born, I was holding her. And I hit my knees holding this baby and tears rolling down my eyes as I was just grateful that she was okay. And you may go, look, I don't, I don't think I'm all that in a bag of chips, but I'm telling you, Today, this very moment in time, 
me as a pastor who's helped walk this church through so much, right? And we walking together, this day doesn't happen if God doesn't, if Christ in her doesn't happen. So that's my point. And what I'm telling you is we may not even be able to fully understand and see down the road the magnitude by which God can use this generation to change the world. If we can just change our perspective about who they are. They're not the generation that forfeits the inheritance. They're the generation that will not bend the knee, that will not kiss the ring. And they're the generation with a God, Christ, the hope of glory inside of them. And we may, th- we may see the world in despair. And we may see the world desperate. And we may see the world hopeless, but God has a remnant who hasn't bowed the knee. Amen? So I say that to you. I say to you, this is how you need to view this generation. Matter of fact, all you kids, if you want to participate, if you don't want to participate, all you kids, uh, 18 years older, run up here, run up here, hurry, fast, run, come on, kids, come on, come on, run up here, run up here, Ethan, that's you, Chad, that's you, run up here, come on. 18 over, kid, 18 and under, 18 and under, run up here, get behind these people, get behind them, come on, kids, come on, come on, hustle, y'all give these kids a hand, give them a hand. Get behind them. Aren't they a good looking group of people? My question to you guys is this. How do we see, how do we look at and talk about this generation? It's easy. It's easy to point out everything that is wrong. The very few are the voices who will say there's hope in them people. There's clean knees on them people. There's pure lips on them people. That's our job. To see in them what they don't even see in themselves sometimes. And secondly, all y'all look at me. It's your job to keep your knees off the ground. Graduates, you're going to walk into situations where people are going to try to convince you that everything you grew up believing was a lie. Don't you bow your knee. Don't you kiss the ring. There is a targeted assignment of hell against your life to get you to believe that everything that these people stood for was false. It is not true. It is a lie. It is straight from the pit of hell. You hear what I'm telling you? And so I'm like, your job is to not bend the knee. You take, when you've done all you can do, Ephesians chapter 6 says, stand. You stand against the enemy. You hold that shield of faith against the fiery darts of the enemy, and he will back you up. He will protect you. Yeah, it may cost you something, but at the end of the day, you'll do what, you're the people who don't do what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is bending the knee. Everybody else is kissing the ring. But you're going to stand on your own two feet. You're going to stand in faith. You've got a whole generation of people backing you. You've got a whole people back, backing you, cheering you on in life. And so your job is not to bend the knee. Your job is not to kiss the ring. Your job is actually to be so full of Jesus Christ that this country looks to your generation for its future hope. And I think I speak for a bunch of people right now who would stand on their feet and say, we believe in you. We believe, come on church, we, we believe in you. We believe in your generation. We believe in what God's going to do inside of your life. Amen? So one more time, stretch your hands toward them. 
Repeat after me. Say it loud and proud. Father, Father we, bless we bless this generation. In the name of Jesus, you will not bow your knee. You will not kiss the ring. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. And we can see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a hand one more time. Y'all can be seated. Here's the, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. It's, I let y'all out 20 minutes early. I'm so cool. <laughs> Father God, we bless your name. We thank you. We thank you for all that you have done. Bless our coming out, our going in, our rising up, and our laying down. That everything that we do, may the kiss of heaven be on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hug these kids and y'all have a wonderful day.